What's up, world? I'm Cameron McKinney, and this is Pop Culture Spotlight, a podcast about actress Saoirse Ronan in the Apple Plus TV series Dickinson, starring Haley Steinfeld. But first, let's talk about actress Saoirse Ronan. Everything about Saoirse Ronan is unique. Her name, her acting style, the movies that she's in, the career that she's had, four Oscar nominations by the age of 25. Even her time as a child actor, you would say, is not the unique career of a child actor. She comes in with the movie Atonement and gets nominated for an Oscar at 13 years old. And we've seen so many times when kids get nominated for Oscars as kids and then they just vanish from the scene. There has not been a moment since that Oscar nomination where Saoirse Ronan has not been making quality movies. By the way, her scenes with James McAvoy in Atonement are phenomenal. Then you have the Peter Jackson directed film The Lovely Bones with Stanley Tucci and Mark Wahlberg. I mean, this isn't the regular type of movie that a kid actor is in. That's not the best movie, but she's giving quite a performance in that one. I mean, spoiler alert, in the very few scenes that she's alive, She's fantastic. Then she reteams with Joe Wright and makes Hannah, where she plays a child assassin. And she, it's totally different. It's tonally different than what she's ever done before. That's what I think I admire most about Saoirse Ronan. She doesn't go through one lane. Like, it's hard to believe that that 13-year-old from Atonement is now playing an assassin. Like, it's hard to believe that that assassin is now playing Ladybird. Like, the transformation of Saoirse Ronan, each and every role is unique. Whether or not the movie is good or not, Saoirse Ronan wants to take chances and most of the time, her chances are working. Like, these are good to great movies. Even in a small supporting role in the Wes Anderson movie, The Grand Budapest Hotel, you're like, wow, there's something unique and different to Saoirse Ronan than most other actors. And then there's this moment when you're like, she's having a good career, she's been nominated for an Oscar at 13 years old, is she ever going to be one of the very best? And then all of a sudden, Brooklyn hits. That movie, she's fantastic in. She's in each and every single scene of that movie. It is one of the best performances of the past decade. And since that movie, she has been by far the best actress in the world. After Brooklyn, you get by far her best performance in Lady Bird. What she does in Lady Bird is insane. Like, I think it's so easy to play that character of Lady Bird and make her unlikable. And it's impossible to not like Saoirse Ronan in that role. Again, it's a transformation because it's like that quiet girl from Brooklyn is now playing a brash American teen in a movie. Again, she's going for something. She's taking chances. And for the most part, they are working out. I think in a weird way, she's like a point guard in basketball where Saoirse Ronan totally controls the tone of the movies that she's in. I mean, the fact that she's in almost every single scene of Brooklyn and Lady Bird, she must have to, but the way that it just, like, works, her performances in those movies are phenomenal. Then in 2018, you get Mary Queen of Scots. I really enjoyed this movie. I thought she carried this movie. I think she was the one great thing in this movie. I mean, in today's world, it's hard for to ask an actor to carry a movie. There aren't a lot of actors that could pull that off. And then she plays Joe March, a character already played by Winona Ryder, who was nominated for an Oscar in 1994, and Saoirse Ronan does something 
unique with that also and gets an Oscar nomination doing something totally different. Like if you watch the 1994 Little Women to the one that just came out, I don't think there's really that many similarities between the Winona Ryder performance and the Saoirse Ronan performance. I think what's insane about Saoirse Ronan is that it seems like she can have chemistry with literally anyone in a movie. Again, in Atonement at 13 years old, she has insane chemistry with James McAvoy. Then you go to The Lovely Bones. She has great chemistry with Mark Wahlberg. Then in Hannah, she has insane chemistry with Jessica Barden. And in The Grand Budapest Hotel, she has insane chemistry with Tony Revolori. In Brooklyn with Amore Cohen. In Lady Bird with Laurie Metcalf and Beanie Feldstein. Then in Little Women, I thought she had the most chemistry with Elizabeth Scanlon. Played Beth. And on the beach, as they know that Beth is sick and she's reading to her, I thought those were the most meaningful scenes in the movie. Also, look at the great list of directors that Saoirse Ronan has worked with. Joe Wright, Peter Jackson, Wes Anderson, Greta Gerwig. I mean, the Greta Gerwig, Saoirse Ronan combo duo has kind of become the Martin Scorsese, Robert De Niro of our times. Like, it doesn't matter what genre the movie is, what time frame the movie is going to be in. If Greta Gerwig is directing it and Saoirse Ronan is starring in it, it is a must-see motion picture. Films they have made together so far, Lady Bird and Little Women, are two of the top five movies of that year, no doubt about it. And in a weird way, Saoirse Ronan is kind of playing a version of Greta Gerwig in Lady Bird and Little Women. Like, I feel like that's the connection that those two have. It's rare, and I mean, this is the one of the best directors of our time, working with one of the best, if not the best actress of our time right now. I want to see them make 15 more movies together. I mean, the fact that these directors continually want to work with Saoirse Ronan says it all. She's worked with Joe Wright twice. She's working with Wes Anderson again for a second time. She's worked with Greta Gerwig again. I mean, these are three of the top directors of this past decade. They're all unique. And the fact is that Saoirse Ronan can perfectly fit the tone of each of their kind of distinctive movies. Great comedically and also be the best thing dramatically in a movie, which I think is rare. Like, I think serious dramatic actors being funny can sometimes work better than like Adam Sandler being funny. Like Leonardo DiCaprio in Wolf of Wall Street and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is hilarious. Equally hilarious is Saoirse Ronan in a movie like Lady Bird. Even in a serious movie like Hannah, there are scenes where her character is supposed to seem like she She's never had human interaction before, and when she interacts with others, it can be sometimes hilarious. Like, I think her comedic sensibilities come out even in serious movies. Again, for a 13-year-old actress to get her first Oscar nomination at 13 years old, and to then get three more Oscar nominations before turning 25 is one-of-a-kind rare. There does not seem to be an end in sight. Like, I think Saoirse Ronan is going to end up with multiple Oscar wins. Not just nominations. And even though most of the characters she's playing are really tonally different and are from different times, they all kind of have a similar thing in common, at least the last three of them, Lady Bird, Little Women, and Mary Queen of Scots, they're all trying to be independent. Lady Bird wants to be independent and move out to New York. Mary Queen of Scots wants to be independent and pick who she gets to marry and wants to keep the throne. Joe March wants to be a writer and provide for her family. I do think Lady Bird is 
different because she wants to become independent from Sacramento and then at the end of the movie she realizes that she loves Sacramento the most like oh, March and Mary Queen of Scots are trying to get independence from something that they want and they find out that they needed that thing like writing in Picking who you wanted to marry. Well, again, Lady Bird is trying to become independent from the very thing that she loves most. Saoirse Ronan is like a unicorn in that she's rare and you don't know how to describe why she's a good actress. Ever since she started, you can't explain to someone why Saoirse Ronan is great. You need to tell them to watch these movies and find out for themselves. So here's the list of movies that proves Saoirse Ronan is by far one of the best actresses working today. Atonement, The Lovely Bones, Hannah, The Grand Budapest Hotel, Brooklyn, Lady Bird, Mary Queen of Scots, and Little Women. All those films are made by different directors. They're all different genres, but they have one thing in common. Saoirse Ronan is fantastic in them. 25 years old, I think it's safe to say that the best performance of Saoirse Ronan is still yet to come. She went from a child actress with a name that's hard to pronounce to a household name, Saoirse Ronan. Now let's switch gears and talk about the Apple TV Plus series Dickinson starring Haley Steinfeld as Emily Dickinson. Here's a quick synopsis. Aspiring poet Emily Dickinson is ahead of her time, but in Amherst, Massachusetts, all her parents want her to be is married like most women in the 1850s. This is the first good show to be made by Apple. Like, I kind of liked the morning show, but I didn't finish it. This is the first show I had to binge watch from Apple. I was like, what is going on here? Edic, and it's not the type of show you would think would be about Emily Dickinson. And the thing I like about it the most is that there's nothing else on television like it. And one of the things Apple has done to try to get you interested in their shows is hire movie stars to be in them like Reese Witherspoon and Jennifer Aniston. In this case, in Dickinson, they got the perfect movie star to do it. Haley Steinfeld. The run of movies she's on with the Edge of Seventeen and Bumblebee. Like, she has proven she can do the major blockbuster movies and still be interesting and comedic and funny. She has become a master at playing the rebellious teen who's endlessly entertaining, and that's what Emily Dickinson is in the show because of Ailey Steinfeld's performance. Tone of the show just fits its star character so well. Comedically, Haley is shining on the show, but there's also enough drama. And I think if a lot of people were playing Emily Dickinson, they would say, we have to pick a one or the two. I can either be funny or I can be dramatic. And I think Haley Steinfeld is one of those rare talents that can pull off both from scene to scene. Like in the same episodes, there are some crazy party scenes and there's also some serious drama going on there. The only way a show can do that properly is if the lead character can pull off both tones of the show properly scene from scene and that's what Haley Steinfeld is doing in this show. You have Ella Hunt who is playing Emily Dickinson's best friend Sue Gilbert. I have never heard of Ellen Hunt ever. She is amazing in this show. The thing I was worried about watching it was like okay there's Haley Steinfeld. Is there going to be enough there to keep me interested? Am I going to care about the other characters? And then I saw Ella Hunt as Sue Gilbert. She is mysterious and endearing as Sue. Like you understand why the siblings are arguing about her throughout the show. Main tension in season one is that Sue is marrying Emily's brother Austin. If they were fighting over someone you didn't care about as a character, it wouldn't matter. But the fact that she's like, you don't know how 
how she really feels about the situation she's in. Like, she's more mysterious than Emily. Emily is very upfront throughout the show what she wants in life. She wants to be a poet. With Sue, you're like, okay, she's kind of like back and forth between wanting to be creative and wanting to be a regular old housewife. It's fascinating. It's almost like she knows that Emily should be the one who is the famous poet, not her. Like, she's willing to take the hit for Emily to be able to become a poet. Haley's and Ella's first scene together on the show, I was hooked immediately to that relationship and where this was going to take the show because I knew it was going to be a fun, crazy, wild ride. The two of them together have insane amounts of chemistry. Also has the weirdest and quirkiest celebrity cameos I've ever seen from Wiz Khalifa and John Mulaney. I'm not going to spoil who they are playing, but if anything's going to get you interested in this show, I think it would be that Wiz Khalifa and John Mulaney are in two two to three episodes each in this series. In one way or another, they both weirdly fit the tone of the show. Again, a lot of you are listening to this and like, Wiz Khalifa, he probably went way over the top with it. No, he actually fits the tone of the show. John Mulaney, yeah, he probably totally took over the show. No, again, he kind of fit into the show with Haley Steinfeld. Like, it kind of all works in a weird tonal way. It's a comedy. It is one 100% a comedic interpretation of the teenage life of the famous poet Emily Dickinson. Thus, Wiz Khalifa and John Mulaney can fit into it. Weirdly, oddly, fantastically, they fit into it. Talk about the creator of the show, Elena Smith, because I think what she did here is brilliant in a way. She knew that if she made a serious Emily Dickinson movie or show that was about this girl writing poetry and being all dramatic, that it wouldn't really gain our interest. But she made it funny, she made it relatable, thus a lot of people are going to be interested in, especially a young person. I cannot imagine a 20-something-year-old like myself watching the show and not, at least in the very least, be interested in it. fact that it is playful and entertaining is not its weakness, it's its strength. Because in the very end, when I watched the show, I wanted to know more about Emily Dickinson the person. If I had watched a serious movie about Emily Dickinson's life, there is 0.0% chance that I would be interested in her outside of watching that documentary. Yes, it might be interesting. Yes, I should probably want to know more about Emily Dickinson, but the fact that there is a scene in this show where she is doing opium, I'm very interested in Emily Dickinson, the person. The fact that they also talk in a modern tone is also a plus. Like, if they talked how they did in those times, I'm sorry, it would be insufferable. Yes, it would be knowledgeable, but again, insufferable and entertaining are two very different things, and I think the most important thing for a show like this is to be entertaining. My interpretation of this show is that they are not trying to be factual factual about what the life for Emily Dickinson was like. They are trying to deal with themes and ideas that Emily Dickinson had in her poetry. Take the use of hip-hop music, for example. It's over the top, it makes it seem like you're watching Euphoria, but it's really effective with the rest of the tone of the show. Is this show trying to be cool? Yes. Do I necessarily think that is a bad thing? No. There is an episode of this show where Louisa May Alcott shows up to Emily Dickinson's house for a party. Do I think that happened? No. Do I find that endlessly entertaining? Yes.
I think I enjoy interpretations or even fiction more than I enjoy a retelling of a historical event or person. For example, I really enjoy Shakespeare in Love. I can't stand to watch Daniel Day-Lewis movie Lincoln. Like, and this is somewhere in between those things. This show is making some things up. Not everything in this show happened to Emily Dickinson, but there is some real honesty to it. She did have this family. Everyone in this show really did exist. So some of it is playful and humorous like Shakespeare in Love and serious in tone like Lincoln. I think that's where most of these things should be. To be one or the other, I think isn't that interesting or entertaining. And this show is interesting and entertaining to say the least. Yes, there are some things in this show that I think that must not have happened. I'll look it up and then I'll find out it really did happen and that makes it even the more interesting because the more over the top the show is you're like that couldn't have happened and then to find out that it really could have happened to Emily Dickinson is fascinating fact that the show doesn't fit the mold you think it does like if I told you I'm gonna watch a show about Emily Dickinson the poet you would all be bored by that idea the fact that this show isn't what you think it is is exactly why it's a brilliant show show doesn't take itself seriously it actually uses Emily Dickinson poetry in a unique and interesting way. For instance, probably the funniest episode of the show thus far is the episode where Emily fakes that she's sick and her parents think she's dying because being sick in that time can be serious. They all thought she had like yellow fever or something. That episode is hilarious. You can all relate to faking that you're sick, but in that time, they took illness very, very seriously. That episode is hilarious. So they took advantage of the fact that the show is set in the 1850s and you can relate to a kid playing hooky and pretending to be sick. They had done a serious adaptation of Emily Dickinson's life. There's no way that moment is relatable because it wouldn't have been funny and you wouldn't have been able to relate to what was happening to Emily. Sometimes these shows can be so accurate and they can be so knowledgeable, but it's not entertaining and it's not relatable. And I think television should be relatable. And I think looking at a show that's set within the 1850s, you can see how we've improved as a society and how some things are still the same. The thing I think I love the most most about the show is that Emily Dickinson was 100% in love with poetry. She didn't think of poetry as a way to make money or become famous. It was a way to be herself, a poet. Doing something without reward is a true sign that you love that thing. Her parents were not going to stop her from being a poet. No matter if you weren't going to let her publish her poetry, it didn't matter. She was going to be a poet. Even if it was only in her own private time. Like, think of today's world. We are such in a reward-driven society. Like, if I'm a writer, I need to be published in the New Yorker or something. Or if I'm a podcaster, I need my podcast to be out there. I think it is so noble to just be a poet because you love poetry. To be able to wake up in the morning without validation and call yourself a poet is out of this world nuts. And it's something I really enjoy about Emily Dickinson the person. Like, I now look up to Emily Dickinson, the person. Like, think about that idea to just wake up and call yourself a poet. That's real love of poetry. That's what this show has shown. It can be funny. It can be awesome. It can have hip-hop music. It can be about modern time things. It can be relatable. But that's what I got most out of the show in the season one, is that Emily Dickinson 100% loved poetry. It wasn't about reward. It wasn't about money. It wasn't even about being independent. She just wanted to be a poet. 
poet because it made her feel alive. She is a poet. She doesn't need someone to tell her she is a poet. She doesn't need her father to validate her to say you're a poet. She doesn't need her brother to validate her. She doesn't need her mother. She is a poet because she's willing to do poetry no matter the situation. She's a, she's willing to do poetry without a reward at the end of the rainbow. And that's something that most people do not have, even in today's world. It's hard to call yourself a writer and not be paid to be a writer. It's hard to call yourself a podcaster and to not be paid to be a podcaster. I just think that's real love of the thing. Emily Dickinson had real love of poetry. And that's what I take away from this show is her insane, immense love of poetry. Poetry wasn't a career. It wasn't a job. It was her life. I 100% recommend you check out Dickinson on Apple Plus. Haley Steinfeld and Ella Hunt are fantastic in Dickinson. Check it out. Thanks for listening to this edition of Pop Culture Spotlight. I'm Cameron McKinney. There'll be a new episode of the podcast every Thursday on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. This week, I put the spotlight on actress Saoirse Ronan in the Apple Plus series Dickinson starring Haley Steinfeld. Next week, I'm putting the spotlight on the movies Rocket Man starring Taron Egerton and The Farewell starring Aquafina. So tune into that and please rate, review, and subscribe. Thank you.